It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And the Emmy goes to. 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 Breaking Bad. Modern Family. Feet. Homeland. The Crown. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 23 of the Next Best Series podcast, where we talk about television. And today was the 73rd annual primetime emmy awards so we are very very excited to be here to talk to you all about our thoughts on the winners this evening here to do that with me i have michael schwartz hello everyone and amanda spears hello i feel like a computer that's ready to power down it is 11:25 p.m the awards ended a little bit above schedule uh, because they uh you know, Scott Frank decided to have his speech go on for a bajillion years <laughs> this evening. Uh, but in all seriousness, though, it was really, really nice to see people in the room where it happens. No pun intended there. And it was really, really lovely to just kind of have an award show that felt like an actual award show again. Um, what did you guys all think of the overall presentation of the show? Comedy bits aside, because I don't think anyone liked the comedy bits. Amanda? I like when they kind of group things together. I felt like they were jumping all over the place, but not in any kind of like way that made sense. I actually thought the awards order presentation uh, was really smooth tonight and very well spread out. Uh, and I, I mean, even doing limited series last felt kind of appropriate. Yeah, I, I that I didn't have much of a problem with, with presenting the big ones last, but I felt like we did all those supporting actor and actresses, and then they waited for drama for like 45 minutes. I just wanted a little bit more of a better flow to it. I have a few problems, but they're just tiny little problems. Sure, sure. What did you think, Michael? I was just happy to have an award show that felt like an actual award show again. It was nice to have everyone in the room, the energy that was lacking over the past couple of months. I mean, considering that the last award show that we had was the Oscars, that dismal affair, this was just a nice night. It felt like everyone was happy to be out. You had segments that just worked better than they better than ever had during the pandemic. So it was really nice to see everything going on there. If you take out some of the comedy bits, they were unnecessary and sort of a waste of time. But it was just nice to have an award show the way that we remember it. I'm really happy to see that a lot of my favorites got to walk off with the gold tonight. Yeah, it, it was a very, very exciting evening. Um, I think heading into it, we all knew that Ted Lasso, The Crown, and also The Queen's Gambit were the heavy front runners. All three of them won the casting awards at the Creative Arts Emmys. And yet... The evening threw some curveballs here and there just to throw a little bit of doubt into our minds as to how the evening would end. But the way it ended was how we pretty much predicted, which was Netflix uh, finally, 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 not only won uh, the drama series award uh, for the fourth season of The Crown, but they also took the limited series award with The Queen's Gambit as well. Unfortunately for them, they did not uh, take comedy series that went to the first season of Ted Lasso. Uh, but overall, I would say that the evening went 
mostly as we expected uh with like maybe what one or two surprises here or there and, and i don't even think they were surprises they were considered like runners up if anything yeah i i agree with that i think hacks really gave ted lasso a, a scare there for for a minute i could say the same thing about mayor of east town with queen's gambit too yeah definitely but you know for for netflix they've got to be like breathing a sigh of relief that this went at least in the top awards the way they thought it would not to mention uh, seven awards for The Crown, winning in every eligible category it was nominated for this evening. We saw that happen last year with Shit's Creek. And uh, if I remember correctly, Amanda, it was Angels in America was the last series of any kind to do that. Uh, Angels in America was the first and first, only one right. in limited series. Mm-hmm. Shit's Creek is the first continuing series ever to do so. And now The Crown is the second. The Crown is the first drama series. Wow, that's wild. The good news for The Crown is is that they won eight of nine. Charles Dance, you, you just couldn't come through for him. Which is odd in retrospect when you consider that um, there was this surge, obviously, for Michael K. Williams. And I guess people were thinking that because Courtney B. Vance won for Lovecraft Country, maybe enough people had seen the show to vote for him. But no, Tobias Menzies actually ended up picking up that award. And uh, that's one of the moments I had a trouble with, honestly. In terms of? I, I love Carrie Washington, and I get her wanting to honor Michael K. Williams, but when you do something like that, it almost kind of sets up Tobias Menzies to be like the kerplunk. Like, oh, it's not him. Yeah, I kind of got that vibe as well, especially when you consider that he he did have a segment in the in memoriam, Michael K. Williams. So he was kind of in that sense, like taken care of, if you will, for the evening as far as just being mentioned throughout the show. I would have preferred if she would have said it for a category that wasn't involving him. Like if she was presenting for something else, you know, and she had just mentioned him, fine. But to mention him before the winner is revealed for the category that he's nominated in, I I agree. It was deflating. Let's just say, for example, Mm -hmm. it was Giancarlo Esposito on his fifth nomination, it still puts him in that same position, too. Oh, yeah. No, no it, there's no good way to spin it. When you think of the career Tobias Menzies has had for his first Emmy nomination, it's it's like it's like Anthony Hopkins. It's almost better he wasn't there because there's nothing he could have said that would have made that any less awkward. Right. It's not a reflection on the winner. And I think Tobias Menzies happened to be uh, the best person in the category. So I'm very happy that he won this. But when you look at, you know, the politics around everything and just the real world repercussions. Michael K. Williams died after the voting had closed. Right. Which I didn't realize until tonight. This was also a show that not many people watched. Like, yes, you did have Courtney B. Vance win uh, the guest award. Yes, it was nominated for series and a few others, but it's not a show that did particularly well. So outside of Michael K. Williams being a renowned performer and someone who should have had an Emmy already. It's not like this is a role that people were really clamoring for him to win for up until his death. And I know many people were predicting him to win before he had passed away unexpectedly, but it's not a total shocker that's happened. And especially that it went to Tobias Menzies, who was again, so excellent on the season of the crown, the show that just swept. So, you know, no shade on anyone. This is a fine win. And I think people are just going to move on and frankly, forget about it by Tuesday. Yeah, and you know, I had a little problem with the in memoriam. I thought it was overall well done, and I have I get why they wanted to end with Michael K. Williams because he died recently, but eight-time Emmy winner, twenty-two times nominated, 
course, Leachman deserved more than to be in a wide shot. Either she should have had one of those little speaking parts, or she should have been the second to last person. Or they needed to have somebody who she's worked with in the past, not Uzo, sorry, Uzo, not, it wasn't her fault, but have somebody who's worked with her come up there and say, I love you, Cloris, or Julia Louis-Dreyfus, who's tied with her, come up there and say something about a comedy legend, because she is a legend on television that deserved more than a wide shot. I thought it would have been one of the Mary Tyler Moore people. You had three of them passed this year, yeah. Gavin McLeod, Cloris, and then Ed Asner, of course, who, you know, another Emmy favorite. So, uh, yeah, I mean, they all got recognized. Not like any of them were left out, but still, I see what you mean there, Amanda. So what would really upset me were all these cringe comedy bits that they kept doing throughout the show. Um, there were only the tiniest moments of writing where I was kind of enjoying it for the most part, but then something would happen or another. And I was just like, oh, this is going on too long. This just isn't funny. This is too overly scripted. You know, it's like the moments that feel more spontaneous and natural are always going to be the moments that I think resonate more. And, you know, for me tonight, that was Conan O'Brien. So funny. Him, you know, like kind of getting the crowd uh, all wild up uh, when the Television Academy president like came up on the stage or him jumping up on the stage when Stephen Colbert won and he's not <laughs> even a part of the of the team. You know, I, I, I was just loving that Conan was, first of all, he, he clearly didn't care. And secondly, he was just having fun. And I, I, I enjoyed that so much. The man has four that. Emmys already. He wrote one of the greatest episodes of The Simpsons ever. He has this TV legacy, a podcast, and he's going to continue continue to do work for HBO Max. So, you know, we have not seen the last of Conan. He's fantastic, and he will be back up on that stage with an Emmy in hand sometime soon. And what a class act John Oliver was. I mean, if you've won as many times as John Oliver and his writing writing writers have won, those both of them nailed their acceptance speeches. And for John Oliver to get up there and say, we just want to acknowledge the 30 years of Conan's given us. That's really, really well done for him. And also for Lorne Michael, for Norm MacDonald. That's that's the way to honor someone. So going through these uh, piece by piece here, first award of the night. Well, actually, we can group both of these together uh, back to back. Supporting actress in a comedy series, supporting actor in a comedy series, Hannah Waddingham and Brett Goldstein, both going to Ted Lasso. Well-deserved. Yeah. I was also in love with Hannah's overall enthusiasm. Uh, I know we saw glimpses of that in some of her acceptance speeches throughout the year, but just her on that stage, I, I, I can't think of many people this evening who seem to be as excited as she was yeah. to win. Let, let's get her uh, to Broadway. She is a terrific West End talent. Uh, now that she's an Emmy-winning celebrity, let's get her on the stage, get her a Tony, let's get her a film career. She deserves the world. I loved her, and if she goes lead next year, I'm all for it. Uh, supporting actress in a limited series went to Julianne Nicholson for Mayor of Easttown, which I was ecstatic about. I'm happy that Julianne Nicholson finally got some kind of recognition for some of the amazing work that she's been doing these last couple of years. My worry was always I didn't know if, you know, her extremely well done final episode of the series would be enough against um, some other contenders that had you know, maybe more consistently showy work. But I mean, yeah, I, I can't argue with this. This was a, this was awesome. 
I question if she would even get the nomination before uh, they came out over the summer. Yeah, I remember. Because when you watch that show, you don't know what that character is going to do until the finale. You know, she's giving a fine performance. Right. It's the very end of the finale. You don't know what she's doing. But then when that moment comes in the very end of the finale, you think, oh, my God, how can they give it to anyone else but her? It's a truly amazing performance that really pays off. Then you go back to watch and see what it all meant. So I'm so happy that she was able to do this and then carry it through because it says that people are watching the show. People recognize all the great work she's been doing over the years to go back to something like August Osage County or Masters Masters of Sex. She is a really great performer, and I think she's going to get some bigger roles out of this now. Next up, we had a supporting actor in a limited series, Evan Peters, finally winning his first Emmy Award for Mayor of Easttown. Like Hannah Waddingham and not acknowledging the West End, I I don't know why, but I really kind of appreciated that he said thank you to Mr. Murphy for because he did get his big break in Ryan Murphy. I kind of almost wish we at least got in the cutaway of you know, Ryan Murphy or Sarah Paulson or someone like just being excited for him. But that might just be more of a problem with the room, the way it was situated. But I was so happy for him. He's waited so long for this. Uh, next up, then we had writing for a drama series and directing for a drama series. The episode War from The Crown won both. And that was pretty cool to both see uh, Peter Morgan uh, winning an award. Uh, Amanda, you mentioned before about how uh, Peter Morgan had never won uh, a writing award here in the States. So that was just great to see him. And also, too, I didn't realize this until, you know, this point in the evening, a lot of the people for The Crown were not there. They were in the UK. Well, yeah, they're still filming. I understand that we're still in the middle of a pandemic. If flying across the ocean into LA might not be appealing to everyone. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, for Peter Morgan, six Emmy nominations for writing, two Oscar nominations, and a Tony nomination. So it it was very well deserved to see him finally win. And uh, yeah, the streamlined approach in writing and directing works, folks. Uh, Jessica Hobbs, also female director winner uh, for this category. Uh, something also to shout out. Uh, she Ooh. shouted it out during her speech that so few women have won this award. So that was really, really refreshing to see as well. Jillian Anderson. Long may she reign. The crown supporting actress. And what? And someone's got to tell me what magic potion she is drinking because she looks better now than she did in the 90s. My Lord. She is the first person in awards history to win the SAG Award, the Golden Globe, and the Emmy for two different series. And she needs a guest role on Succession so she can round out her drama trophies. Yeah, because she's got lead and now she's got supporting. So you're right. Guest actress, let's make it happen. (laughs) Coming off of this awards run for both her and then last Oscar season for Vanessa Kirby, if you have never seen them in the West End production of A Streetcar Named Desire, oh my God. Uh, we already talked about Tobias Menzies winning for the crown. Uh, God, I, you know, I have to bring this up at this point. This is just sheer laziness, in my opinion, at this point. Writing for a variety series and variety talk series goes again 
to last week tonight with John Oliver. I believe this makes six years in a row. I think it's five. E- either way, it's too many. No, they it's did it when their first time. season. They won the second season. No, and because they lost to uh, John Stewart, who was another person that always just won by default in this category. It, well, it, John Stewart I'm... is coming back next week, so maybe he'll win next year. No. But it just it just puts forth the idea like this and RuPaul. Uh, like, I'm sorry, but like, do the voters watch anything else? I, I sometimes question that. Last week tonight is just fine. It's an informative show, but it's like this the same shtick every week. I would love to see them give it to a late night host like Stephen Colbert. Give it to him. They should have given it Stephen to Conan. Stephen Colbert has five of his own. He I was going to say after. also uh, Stephen Colbert. He won tonight technically, just not I for this. I want to hear it, gentlemen, because I told I called that. Yes, one. you called it. You did call that. Yep, that was one of the categories where we were pretty split on Variety Special Live, Stephen Colbert's Election Night 2020, Democracy's Last Stand, Building Back America, Great Again, Again Better 2020. <laughs> that freaking title. The reason I want to uh, see him win for that series, even though he won so many times for the Colbert Report, is that it's a different show this time around. And I oh. think what he's doing in the CBS space there, it's a very different version of him because, of course, he was in character back on Comedy Central. So I think doing what he does as a talk show host and doing it so well, he's like the new Johnny Carson. So I think it's really what I want to see, see is Samantha B come back next year and when. Samantha B is a very good. I watch lady. her every week. Yeah. Variety sketch series we already mentioned went to Saturday Night Live. No competition here as it was just up against a black lady sketch show. I love how they reacted, though. The black lady sketch show ladies were like. That was hilarious. That was really well done. I like that. Yeah. I think we need more competition in this category. I like SNL just fine. It's certainly not the strongest it's ever been. But let's get some more variety sketch on TV because it's such a fun genre and you could really you know, make it more exciting here and just get people back into uh, that element. I think the problem is a lot of those types of shows now are online based and they don't they just don't compete here is the problem. I think it's more COVID. Like, I just think COVID kind of screwed it up a little bit too much. I mean, that's definitely a factor, too. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do think they'll be back. But, you know, no offense. I think that Black Lady Sketch Show should take solace in the fact that it's really hard to beat SNL in an election year. Yeah. It's it just, you know, there could have been three other shows in there and, and it still would have won. I mean, when they mentioned, you know, Maya Rudolph, Jim Carrey and such on the stage, I was thinking to myself, you know what? Yeah, this was kind of a because of the election. You're right. Like it was a note, a noteworthy year. They always have noteworthy years during elections. So, yeah, that that's their year. Every four years is like the Olympics for them. This is where things started to get interesting. Um, Hacks won. Uh, for the episode there is no line in writing and directing back to back followed by gene smart winning lead actress in a comedy series for hacks now these would be the show's only three wins of the night but i gotta say it winning writing and directing that that was definitely putting me in a headspace of wow is ted lasso about to you know kind of like what mayor did tonight win just for acting and nothing else You know, it was really interesting because I had predicted Hacks to win directing only because Ted Lasso had three nominations there. And I assumed that they would all split. And Hacks, you know, has some really great production qualities there. So I saw that as a way to recognize it. Writing, I did not predict because there were only two Ted Lasso nominees. And that seemed more reasonable that everyone could get behind the pilot. But I guess when you look at Hacks and what type of show it is, that's a very written show. It's about a comedy writer and a comedian, and it has Mm -hmm. some great one-liners. And it's a show that everyone obviously responded to. 
So it's not surprising to me that they would give it the win in both places, uh, even if I didn't call one of them. I think it's a very worthy winner. And it just goes to show how strong that show is coming into season two. I think you're looking at a front runner for comedy series. I think Jean Smart will reign over comedy actress like Julia did. This is not going to be a one and done. Unless something comes out next year that really just blows it out of the water. I mean, that standing ovation, she waited a hell of a long time to get up there as a lead actress. I was actually just about to say, didn't she win before in the past? But no, yeah, lead. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, she she did what Betty White, she's the only other actress uh, except for Betty White to win all three of the acting categories on the comedy side, lead supporting guest, but she did it in the opposite order. Betty won lead first and then get, then supporting and then obviously for her guest spot on SNL. So Jean did it in the opposite direction. Guest supporting, finally promoted to lead. And she's as hot as she's ever been in her career. Oh, yeah. She has this new uh, Damien Chazelle film where she has a really juicy supporting role. Apparently, I think you're going to look at some Oscar buzz next season. And I think that's Betty just going to continue to build for her. So you have films, you have uh, more TV roles to come. Uh, I want to see her back on Broadway. She could devour something like August Osage County. Like if they ever did a revival mm-hmm. of that, like give her a great She'd play be to do. Perfect for that. I, I agree. And, you know, maybe she'll finally get another mini se- limited series. Honestly, I that's why I didn't pick Julian Nicholson, because I was like, you know, those roles are so night and day. I could honestly see how she could have pulled off supporting actress in, in a limited series. I think it was close. I think she was very yeah. close for supporting actress there. I, I, I mean, she was she's just had a phenomenal past five years as far as a, you talk about a, a renaissance like Fargo. Watchmen, Mayor, and Hacks. It was like a one-two punch of like it's her, it's her world. HBO, give her whatever she wants. Yeah, it's her world, and we're just living in it. Jason Sudeikis, uh, you know, didn't disappoint me by winning the lead actor in a comedy series Emmy, but he did disappoint me for not wearing a hoodie to the event. He was he was well too dressed, in my opinion. <laughs> but his, you know, it's funny because he's another one where. He's won a lot in the lead up to this. It was kind of a foregone conclusion that he was going to win. There really wasn't anyone that was going to beat him. But I and this is something that, you know, I know Amanda and I have talked about before as well. It's like you have these other shows to practice your speeches. And yet the guy can't really seem to have his speeches stick the landing. (laughs) He tends to mumble and he tends to fumble a little bit. No pun intended through a lot of his uh, speeches, but I'm happy for him regardless, because, you know, it's not easy to rebound back from Harry Styles. And next year is going <laughs> to be fun because, you know, I, I think Lauren Michael is probably going to enjoy next year's Emmys when SNL alumni alums battle this out. Probably him and Hater are, are going to have a nice battle royale for the trophy. Also, too, Donald Glover's coming back. Yeah. So it'll be very interesting next year. It'll be interesting to see how Ted Lasso is received next year, because this was, you know, the honeymoon period. Everybody won. Everyone's happy. Voting during the second season. Yeah. Season two has been strong, in my opinion. I really do enjoy it. But I see that there are people who are not connecting in the same way and getting a little over Ted Lasso. And we still have a year to go until the next Emmys, obviously. So it'll be very unique to see where we are with that show come next year, because the think pieces that are coming out, people are like, okay, show me what you've got. And I love it, but I see where people might be like, okay, let's see what's next. I I think the next thing for that show is uh, we're going to see either a guest actor or actress win in the future, maybe one of the supporting roles. But I think it winning big 
like it did tonight, I don't see that happening again for season two or subsequent seasons. Honestly, I, I worry about what's going to happen with season two because either they'll maybe they'll get a guest actor or actress in there. But my bigger fear is we're going to see, and if it does happen, it might lead to a good rule change. It's usually when you win, you come back the next year. I don't know what's going to happen with Succession. But when you come back the next year, like Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, you're going to see a bump in your nominations. So the new actress that they brought in to play, this, the therapist, okay, sure, she might be able to get in. But if they go from four to, let's say, six supporting actor nominations, like Tobias Jamal, who plays Sam Obasigne, or Phil, you know, Dunster. Phil Dunster, who plays Jamie Tart, those two are right on deck. And if they get to six supporting actor nominations, I think what we're going to see is the Emmys go, okay, you can submit as many people as you want, but you can only have three nominees in this category. And if that's what it takes, maybe that's a good thing. But I, I could see how, because they will get the reigning series bump. Remember, that's that's when Maren Hinkle came in. That's um, when, you know, uh, Luke Kirby came in and won. There is a chance that they will get the usual Emmy series winner bump. And then we're then we're going to see a lot of backlash if they take up six, probably even five of those supporting actor spots. It's very possible. When you talk about getting mazeled, I, I think that's what's going to happen with the show next year, where it still gets the nominations, maybe even increases, but it doesn't pull off those wins. Maybe it takes like a supporting award, just like Tony Shalhoub did for season two of Maisel, but it's well, not going to be Al that dominant force. It's going to be the show Alex that's Borstein there. Again. People. Right, Alex Borstein won, of course. Yeah, you look at the people who won, and they're going to be favorites. You're going to have your parents talking about it. It's a show that will still play a role in the culture, but it's not going to be that big, new, shiny object. And that's the thing I don't like about this new non-panel system, is we've seen the golden globization of the Emmys, where it's like they have this big love affair every year with one series, and then the next year they just completely move on. And that doesn't mean that, you know, Rachel Brosnahan's been great on Maisel, but she just has no chance of winning again because there's no shine on it. Now, maybe after a year off, maybe she comes back and we're like, oh, my God, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. We don't know. But we've, we've seen that where it's like, we love this series. And then next year, it's like, well, what, 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 who are you? I'm sorry. But I really don't want to see them, like, try and get more writing and directing nominations. I hope they learned their lesson this time around. Reality competition program, uh, as I mentioned before, went to RuPaul's Drag Race, um, another repeat win for this category. And kind of like last week tonight with John Oliver, I just I feel it's no offense to RuPaul's Drag Race. I think it's an entertaining hell of a show uh, from you know the times that I've seen it. But I do wonder just time and time again, is it just simply the competition is really that weak or are they just defaulting, you know, defaulting? Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Don't you know that you're a grown-up? I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, I think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? I've never done it. Then we had uh, directing for a limited series, and this went to Scott Frank for The Queen's Gambit. And I didn't mind, you know, the win so much as a lot of others did. I definitely felt that, you know, other people deserve to win this award, but I took a lot of... I, I, I definitely was pretty pissed off at the way he handled his speech. Yes, he did. There are certain people who can get away with telling the conductor to stop. Merle Strape can do that. Big celebrities at the Oscars. Big celebrities at the Emmys could do it. If you're they did it a tonight. major star, you can get away with it. Scott Frank, though, I don't know who he thinks he is, that he could take two minutes to give his speech. And I'm sure he had something to say. What he had to say was very nice. But when you have a show that needs to go along and everyone's getting played off, when Gene Smart is getting played off, Scott Frank does not get to stand up there and say whatever he has to say. I'm sorry. That was just... Uh, killer of a moment right there brought the entire vibe down he's a writer he's a director i get it but that's not the time to be you know reading your monologue also too there was a pretty good chance that he was going to get up there again yeah that's what i had a problem with it is like if he had won again i'm like oh jesus what is he gonna do next that's that that was my concern i was like wow you're really doing this right now and you do realize that the next category for writing you're also nominated in like yeah when i saw patrick stewart i thought oh god they're gonna he's gonna win again and start talking now granted he didn't end up winning that that ended up going to uh michaela cole for i may destroy you and then it was funny because she then gets up there and she follows up his speech with a speech that she did in what like 30 seconds and said literally everything that it needed to say and it was just like you go. <laughs> it was tight and concise. And, you know, uh, the one thing I will say about Scott Frank is he pulled for our Oscar friends who will remember a uh, Pavel Pavlikovsky. <laughs> he did. He really, really did. That is true. And you know what? I I like his work. I'm glad that he got recognized. But I'm just saying that, you know, that that moment with the speech. You know, there's there's a thing called being a class act, and that was not it. For as long as the careers he's had, I I kind of understand when you've never been recognized and you've waited thirty plus years why you might want to keep talking. I, I and he get successfully it a did wave off the music once, but he yeah. play, he waved it off three times. Three times they tried to play him off. Yeah, that's that's a little too much. I I, I don't I just don't want to. I don't I don't think we all need to pile on. I kind of understand when you've had the, that long of a career and you've waited this long to finally get recognized. And he's more known as a writer. So this, this is kind of funny. But still, I, I, I kind of understand. But yeah, the second and third time is like, okay, Anya, I love you. Let's wrap it up. But Michaela Cole, first of all, best dress of the night and awesome speech. Yeah, that was uh, probably it, it was really funny because 
this was like the moment of the evening where, you know, with Scott Frank's speech, Michaela Cole winning, and then following that up with the next three acting awards, I think that was probably the most chaotic that our uh, group chat became all night, just in terms of the roller coaster of emotions that everyone was feeling. Because following Michaela Cole's win for writing for a limited series, Kate Winslet then wins for lead actress for Mayor of Easttown. And we got some pretty big Kate Winslet fans on our team over here. So they were elated. Not to mention, once again, now I'm starting to wonder, I'm sure everyone was starting to wonder a little bit, is Mayor about to upset Queen's Gambit for limited series? So there was some real, you know tension out there in the air which was really exciting i was really starting to think that it might happen because of what we were seeing that night but then i had to remind myself how well maravis done i'm sorry how well uh the queen's gambit did at the creative arts semis and that's what really counts at the end yeah i mean nine awards heading into the evening it it was uh, we we were questioning if queen's gambit was going to tie or break the all-time record it didn't uh it won 11 in the end but still it tied Angels in America for second most, if that yeah. means anything to anyone. When five out of the previous six casting winners have won ser- limited series, and the only exception being Chernobyl, which went writing and directing, and you just kind of felt it coming. Yeah, it was it was pretty still. I was still pretty comfortable with the Queen's Gambit, but good for Netflix. This this kind of saved their their year for them. <laughs> Uh, speaking of Netflix, uh, the next acting award winner went to Ewan McGregor for Halston, winning for lead actor in a limited what series. The fuck, I hate this category. It is my least favorite category. It wasn't even the best performance in a Ryan Murphy production this year. Like, I don't get what people saw in this. I mean, to me, this is like a, a stew of everything you could possibly throw in to try and win an Emmy. Not to mention, uh, this is two years in a row that you've been burned by this category. <laughs> I, I just, you know, I at least can see the craft in what Mark Ruffalo did. Sure, this, sure. to me, yeah. feels schmaltzy. It feels very... It doesn't feel like he dove deep into it. I See, I, dis- I, see, I disagree. I actually like his performance in this. <laughs> so, I, I can't agree, but... I, I will admit, though, him winning, I guess it was a makeup a, a makeup award for the times that they didn't give it to him, uh, like with Fargo, for example. Um, but it was odd considering that, you know, it wasn't nominated for limited series. It got a low nomination tally overall. You know, I think I think a lot of us would have thought it would have gone to Paul Bettany because WandaVision was so clearly beloved in terms of its nomination totals or Hugh Grant, who had a very, very similar, um, I guess, narrative as Ewan McGregor, where it's like they didn't give it to him before for other roles. So this would have been a good opportunity to do so. But the way the crowd reacted, I thought Leslie Odom Jr. was about to win. Uh, the, the way that like it was like dead silent when they announced Lynn manuel Miranda and then Leslie Odom, they announced Leslie Odom. It's like, Woo! yep, everyone went oh crazy. God, they're going to give it to Leslie Odom. I'm like, OK, I can I can live with that. So like we're we're all at this point, like I said before, on a roller coaster of emotions after these couple of awards. And then we get to lead actress in a drama series, which goes to Olivia Coleman for The Crown um, and you know, I'm glad that Olivia Coleman won for her time on The Crown. I do not believe that she should have won for this season. But 
if this is something that's like similar to when Claire Foy won, where they didn't give it to her for the first season, they gave it to her for the second. You know, it's like I I wonder if they've treated both wins now for Foy and now Coleman as, hey, here's the win for your two years on the show as opposed to this particular season. You know what I mean? I agree. And I think that's absolutely what happened here. When you look at the competition, I think taken on the performance alone, Emma Corrin deserved it for the season, but it would have felt very strange to have Olivia Coleman go by and not win an Emmy for the work she put in over the past two years. And that's a deserved win. When you look at the two seasons put together, just like they did for Claire Foy. So it makes sense to me. She's now halfway to an EGOT and I think she's probably going to get there one day because she is just so beloved. So it really was a nice thing to see. And I was messaging this group that we had tonight with the uh, next best picture members saying, I think she's going to pull it off. I'm not predicting her, but I just get the sense that Olivia Coleman yeah. has the goods to take it here. And but it was uh, her that's... fifth nomination. I think that uh, I think it's not also just the cumulative factor. I, I do think that it's sometimes it's just your turn. And right, like, you the you knife know, manager I, and flea bag. And, you know, like I, I think I said it about Kira Sedgwick was her fifth nomination when she finally went for the closer. It was her fifth nomination. She's so beloved in the industry. I think people underestimate her sometimes. And she just gives the loveliest acceptance. <laughs> little little short this evening, but she had that touching tribute to her father that she lost uh, over COVID. So that was nice. And Michaela Cole. Yeah, I was going to say at the end of her speech, she said, fuck yeah, Michaela Cole, which was awesome. Oh, let me just add one more thing about <laughs> Michaela Cole while we re- re- mentioned her. She makes history as the first black female writer to win that category. Hell mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. And that category loves a Brit. I'm just going to keep going predicting Brits from now on in that category. But yeah, I loved that she mentioned her. And uh, I don't know what the hell Emma Corrin was wearing, so I didn't need to see any more of it. The crown continued to win after that. Josh O'Connor, despite his young age, won out for mm-hmm. lead actor in a drama series for season four of The Crown. Well deserved. Well deserved. At this point in the evening when it came to The Crown, all it had to win now was drama series. It was heading for that seven for seven uh, sweep. And I know that, Amanda, when we talked about it, we talked about how it was possible, but also, you know, not impossible because <laughs> it did stand a really good shot. It just seemed like they could go elsewhere in a couple of different categories. Maybe Pose would have won something or, you know, somewhere or another. But in the end, uh, the crown really did prevail here. And I think it's really I think it's actually really cool because the crown has won big in previous seasons, winning some text, directing Claire Foy, as we mentioned before, <laughs> Claire Foy again this year. Um, but never this kind of an, an embrace. You know, it was it almost reminded me of how like Game of Thrones would win a couple of texts here and there. But then it wasn't until seasons later Uh, In this case, the fourth season for The Crown, where it's like, okay, we finally caught on to the fact that you're great. We're going to finally give you the win. Not to mention, um, obviously, competition due to the pandemic uh, was weaker. And I also think that I do think merit played a role here. I think this was the best season that the show has had yet. Yeah, and I'll just add, um, first of all, when Josh O'Connor won, Billy Porter, what a class act. Oh, yeah. Standing Mm -hmm. up, congratulating. I I love to see that. I I do, it feels like Schitt's Creek and, to an extent, The Crown kind of benefited a little bit from this situation. The pandemic? Yeah, from the pandemic. 
also it's escapism. How about being how about being on Netflix? Yeah, and I also think, you know, the royal family being in the news all the year, you know, that never hurt. Now all I can wonder is how much is this gonna have an impact on Spencer later on? So one thing just kind of leads into another, you know? I think that if you're Kristen Stewart, Emma Corrin losing is probably better for you. I agree, because now you don't have that inevitable comparison that needs to be made as uh, as harshly. Yeah, I, I think that helps her. I I also think the good news for Imelda Staunton is, hey, in two years, in two seasons on the show, you're going to win an Emmy. So, And I love her, and her husband is Jim Carter from, if you remember, Downton Abbey. So I would be thrilled to see a member of that family and her, their daughter is on Bridgerton. So, you know, like British acting royalty, love the family. I would love to see like that win happen finally for one of them. That, that, that family deserves an Emmy. So yeah, excited to go forward. And I, I mean, it's probably never going to do this again, but it's playing the prime minister on the show. Looks good. John Lithgow. Who are they bringing in to pl- the hot priest? He's playing uh, Tony Blair. So that's Andrew Scott. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, he's got to name people. <laughs> I know. I can't remember it. I just think of him as hot priest. A uh, variety special live went to Stephen Colbert's election night 2020, as we mentioned before. Uh, variety special pre recorded. Despite winning Emmys at Creative Arts for writing, directing, music, Hamilton still beat out Bo Burnham's Inside, which. God, I wish I had stuck to my guns on this one and, and stayed with Hamilton. I, I switched to um, Inside when it won all of those creative arts Emmys. I just thought, oh, one writing and directing. It's definitely going to win the pre-recorded um, you know, Emmy. But I will say this. I'm glad that none of the performers from Hamilton won. But I'm I'm very OK with the show itself winning because at the end of the day, this was something that had to be shot edited, stitched together, you know, and put on as a presentation to stream as opposed to a live performance like those actors, you know, gave for those for the audience in attendance. So to me, it's a it's a little bit different of a distinction there, um, even though I, I I selfishly wanted inside to still pull it off in the end. <laughs> yeah, I agree with what you said before, and I'll tell you why I thought Hamilton was going to win and ultimately proved to be right here. It's because when you vote at the Emmys, it's different than the Oscars, where, of course, all the branches nominate at the Oscars. The Academy at large gets to vote on the winners. With the Emmys, your individual branches vote Mm -hmm. within their categories. So the actors vote for the acting winners. The directors vote for the directing winners. Yet when it comes to the overall series prizes, everybody gets to vote on them. So with Bo Burns Inside, yeah, you have some of these more technical branches at a more localized level voting for something like that. But when it comes to the entire television academy, that is a special that as much as people on Twitter liked it, your normal people out in the world really wouldn't care for it. And Hamilton is an accessible piece that everybody watched over the summer of the first round of COVID. And it's Hamilton. Everyone loves it. So that was the more accessible piece that could do well with an academy voting branch at large. Also, you have to remember that Hamilton wasn't eligible for some text. Like, it... <laughs> They're not going to give the same people who won a costume Tony Award a, a costume win in that category also. As far as like why it maybe looked like a little bit of an underdog going in there, you have to remember that some of those tech categories Hamilton wasn't eligible for. And then as I started off saying in the very beginning and ending here now, despite bumps in the road, 
a little bit of a little bit of doubt creeping in. The three big winners of the evening for comedy series, Ted Lasso, drama series, The Crown, and for limited series, The Queen's Gambit. Ted Lasso ends the evening uh, overall with creative and prime time, seven wins for its first season. The Crown has 11, and The Queen's Gambit ties it also with 11, giving Netflix its first wins for limited series and drama series. And it's about freaking time. <laughs> <laughs> they make history as the first streamer to win limited series. And if, if you're wanting to be the premier streamer, uh, starting in limited series is a great way to do so. That's how HBO, before they ever won a comedy or a drama series, started. They started racking up limited series wins. Also, they're the first streamer to win two series awards on the same night. So that's big. It makes them seem like the premier streamer they want to be. Yeah, not to mention they had been, you know, obviously getting a lot of setbacks at the Oscars. And this was an area where, quite frankly, in the past, you know, I'm sure some of us expected House of Cards to win maybe at some point or for some something of theirs Stranger to yeah, break through. Exactly. Stranger Things, uh, when they see us, you know, something. But it's kind of incredible that it just took this long is all. But I mean, it's really nice that you know, once again, it's kind of funny how these things work out. We're not going to just give you one. We're going to give you two of the big prizes. It was a long time coming. But when you think about the fact of how easy it was for Hulu to just come in and then their second kind of dalliance with even being in a, having a show, a handmaid's tale, they won. Yeah. Amazon was kind of the same way. And you know what? Sometimes that, you know, we see that happen, especially also yeah. in the film world with uh, new studios and new distributors. Uh, sometimes the studio just kind of comes out of nowhere and ends up sweeping, you know, the award season. So it, it is possible in that regard. But overall, um, I can't complain because I'm a fan of Ted Lasso. I love this season of The Crown. And while I do think that The Queen's Gambit, I, I, I like it. I want to be very clear. Like, I think it was a really good show and I very much enjoyed it. I did take... A little bit of a slight to th th how much it won this entire season, not not just here tonight, uh, you know, because you did see Mayor get recognized. Um, I made the story you got an award. It, it was just more of the sweep that it had with all the other precursors in the lead up to tonight. I thought that there was much better television to go around and it would have been nice to at least to have had headed into tonight thinking that there was some sort of a race when in the end it was the queen's gambit all along. Well, it's, it's hard, especially since what it came out early, but it's, it's, it was such a good series. It was so enthralling. I can't say I, I blame them for wanting to award it. I love Kate Winslet. That was, I, I would love to see if I could pick any category to see the vote, vote total in, it would be limited series actress. Cause something tells me that was by a very slim margin. But gosh, I think it got what it deserved. Like I said, it'll be interesting to see when the crown comes back because they'll have a year off how they'll perform being the reigning, being a reigning Emmy winner. I guess just like for me, I'm a little disappointed because, yes, even though Michaela Cole won, I really wanted to see small acts get recognized with more nominations. I wanted to see the Underground Railroad actors get recognized. I wanted to see Michael K. Williams 
pull out a win here tonight. I wanted to see Billy Porter or MJ Rodriguez prevail. Instead, all anyone ever focuses on are the acting categories. And even though we had women win in the directing categories and Michaela Cole and, you know, a few other spots on the evening and a few other, uh, you know, moments of diversity throughout the evening, still you had all of the acting awards go to white performers. And that is something that I, I know, you know, People will say it better than I can um, across uh, other podcasts and publications and such, but it's just a little little disappointing considering how well the Emmys have done at recognizing uh, non-white performers in recent years that this felt a little bit like, uh, you know, just a step back. Yeah, I mean, I basically agree with all that's been said. It's, you know, it is what it is. I was going to say, like, do you... Do you have like mixed feelings on it winning or no? I mean, when I look at the two series there, a mayor of East town and the queen's gambit, I told someone earlier today, it's a plus versus a minus and a minus is pretty damn good. So I'm happy to see a good show recognized. I had my own personal favorite there, but you know, one four awards over the course of these Emmys over the past few weeks. So that's perfectly fine. Also queen's gambit is a strong show. It obviously made a mark with everyone over the past year. I mean, it really, you know, become a juggernaut everyone was talking about it so it's a show that people obviously liked it's not like they vote but for it begrudgingly they connected with it it connected with people in a way that you know they are still talking about it now so i have no problem with it winning yeah it hit the zeitgeist in a way i think that you know it made people want to go podcast in, in a way i don't think people like let's go solve a murder kind of with mayor sound but it was also the show that people were watching during the election as well yeah. So like while we were stressed in real life and stressed with the news and, you know, the, the vote counting and so on and so forth, you, you could watch the Queen's Gambit to escape for a little bit. Absolutely. I think that might have might have had something to do with it, too. And just in terms of it's like staying power with people, not to mention it's an easy watch personally. And this is the last thing I'll say about this category. I wish that the Underground Railroad had been more widely embraced. And my hope is that. That is a, a show that somewhere in Barry Jenkins filmography, you know, obviously he's still at a point where he's got so much more left to give to us in his career. But later on down the road, years from now, hopefully when we're looking back at the monumental work that he has given us, people will maybe revisit this series and look at this as a, a show that deserved so much more at this time. I, I think it's one of the best pieces of art that I've seen this past year, TV, film, music, otherwise. Um, and I just I just wanted to just say my piece on that, that I wish it I wish it got more. There are some shows that you just need to be ready to watch. Like last year, it was uh, I know this much is true. That, uh, you know, you just needed time to emotionally invest in it. And when Underground Railroad came out back in May, I just could not emotionally invest 10 hours into that show. I needed to find the time to be ready for it. And I still haven't found that time yet, but it's on the list. Barry Jenkins is Barry Jenkins. And I know it's going to be worth it when I finally you know, make that effort. But the nice thing is, not, is that it's not going anywhere. It's going to be on Amazon. It's going to be around. You can watch it anytime. And I think this nomination just keeps it going in the conversation. He's going to win his big award soon. I, I think it was a tough watch. It was the same thing with, I know this much is true. Not something you want to binge either of those series. You want to watch one or two and then, wait a day and watch another two anyone have any final thoughts on the emmys i do in that the debbie allen bit 
was my favorite of the night. Mm, yeah. What a great moment to see her recognized. What a great clip reel. Oh, my God. When they had the clip of her and Gwen Verdon dancing together, two of Broadway's charities, th- that was just sensational for me. And she is someone who just continues to work and work and work and show up in places that you wouldn't expect. Like, she goes from performer to director and choreographer. She directs Grey's Anatomy. She won for this Dolly Parton Christmas movie on Netflix. <laughs> Like, she just shows up everywhere and has so many friends. There was, like, a who's who on stage. You had Ava DuVernay and Michael Douglas presenting to her. It's like, wow, this woman has friends. This woman is an icon, and she's just going to keep continuing because she is a legend. I would have liked to see a, another choreographer up there. Um, I, I don't think – I think they really should have mentioned that, you know, with her win for the Dolly movie, which – we were all jokingly talking about, wouldn't it be funny if Dolly won? I'm sure Amazon and HBO do not think that's funny. She becomes the all-time winningest choreographer in Emmy history. Like, I think they could have slid that in there. I do wonder why they gave her this and the Kennedy Center Honor Award in one year. She deserves everything she's got, but to me, it's like one Lifetime Achievement Award per year is enough. Let's not give her SAG Award now. She's good. We're good for now. Anything else? Anyone? Anything? Oh, gosh, there's just so many double nominees. And then you see them up there. I'm like, maybe they need to limit how many people can be in the same category from a series. But overall, I thought they did the best they could. And I, I look forward to things slowly becoming more and more normal. I think this was pretty close to normal. I mean, what what was the only difference? It wasn't as big of a venue? Uh, it wasn't. I think they had trouble getting reaction shots. Uh, they weren't in like a, in an auditorium where it's a little bit easier to stage people. So I thought a little bit of the camera work was a little messy trying to find shots of it. Yeah, having a 360 degree uh, stage was a little odd, I thought. That, it felt like the SAG little, Awards. Yeah, the SAG Awards are a little bit more better organized as far as how they do their tables. They're those long kind of lunchroom esque tables. And so it's easier for them, I think, to control the cameras where when you have a hundred of these little round tables, and you're not used to it like the Golden Globes. I, I know we aren't, we're not supposed to like them, but, you know, they're used to kind of staging this. But, man, is this like the death of broadcast TV? Did they win anything of any significance? Mm, I'm not I don't think tonight. I mean, mostly on the creative arts side, I think. I think HBO and as many succession commercials as I saw probably paid for the next season of whatever show Cedric the Entertainer's on for a year. That's that's one last thing I'll just say before I'm done here is um I didn't think Cedric the Entertainer was terrible. I thought that no. the bits were cringy at times, but in terms of him clearly just trying to sell them and you know trying to make them work, I thought he did an admirable job. Yeah, I agree. He's a funny guy. He always has been a funny guy. It's just a matter of you know how he's being used. Like right. I don't know that we needed a. Mike Pence fly on the head bit in yeah, September twenty twenty one. No, that no. was just bizarre. Was that your uh, was that your least favorite bit? Because I, I want to know what everyone's least favorite bit was. That was mine. Was I, I re- yeah, I really liked his his former wives get together. I think they could have like worked reggae Jean Page, and they're like, "Hey, ladies!" Like, just because they guess all mentioned them, but uh, that was cute. As far as the, like, the Emmy way, like, loser, having- I liked the Emmy loser. Group one until the end. Dr. Phil is a charlatan. He's a hack. Not not to be confused with hacks, the Emmy winning series. Uh, he's a legitimate hack. So the fact that he just came in 
Uh, poor Jason Alexander having to be in his vicinity. I feel bad for him. Uh, bad enough that he'd never won an Emmy, and he, now he has to be in a bit with Dr. Phil. It just reminded me of what happened with Zoe's episode when um, her and Max Greenfield were both nominated for the first season of, of New Girl under the panel system, and their episodes got swapped, which helped neither of them. So they really are in one of those situations where you never know what would have happened if they would have had the panels, you know, with the right episodes, because they did both submit really great episodes. But yeah, the rest of them, I'm like, yeah. My favorite bit of the evening was uh, the Schitt's Creek uh, reunion up oh. on the stage. That was that was by fun. far my favorite. Everybody loved them. Everybody loved them. They just started cheering. They wildly. might as well have been screaming for them to make another season. Oh, yeah, God. like that's how that's how much the crowd was going absolutely insane for all of them. I mean, the show might be off now, but, you know, just have them host. People love them. They were actually before COVID going on tour around the country doing like mm-hmm. the whole thing. And they unfortunately had to cancel it. They were going to resume uh, this fall, but they, they go around as a team. And you could tell that it's a very tight knit group. Spent the time on set together. And it's just so nice to see them back there. My final note is, how did we all like that the clip that they showed for the Oscars was Glenn Close doing debut? Probably one of their better moments they could have shown. I mean, I... I, I agree. I, I didn't mind it. I like it. And I love that that is still a memeified moment now when we talk about Glenn Close. I'm, I'm very okay with it. I frankly forgot that the Oscars were nominated here because I thought it was such a dismal show. Why would anyone want to nominate it for a quality variety special? But, you know, if anything, just see that clip again all right amanda's dog is here to ruin the episode so i gotta i gotta get us out of here i'm so sorry matt i can't you know he's past his bedtime all right well that'll do it here for our discussion on the 73rd annual primetime emmy awards michael schwartz where can they find you on the internet you can find me on twitter at m schwartz 95 amanda spears you can find me at on twitter at miss amanda spears and if you'd like to see how adorable my dog baby gus is Follow me on Instagram at Miss Amanda Spears. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to episode 23 of the Next Best Series podcast, part of the Next Best Picture podcast umbrella. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Rate us anything less than five stars, and that will just be unacceptable. Leave us a comment there. Let us know what you think of the show. We appreciate your feedback and your support which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you can get exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening. As always, we will see you all for more television discussion next time. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of the Beths and Genesis Owusu. 
We've had guests from all genres and styles of music. And I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts. And new episodes come out every Monday.